Hello, everyone. Welcome to We Hate People, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Australia. This is episode 15, recorded Sunday, June 26th, 2016. I am your host, Simon Potter, and with me is a man who, based on Australia's success in Eurovision, is now running for one of Britain's vacated seats in the European Parliament. How are you, David Holloway? <laughs> but I'm on Team Boris Johnson. Will they let me in? Well, it's, I think you'll find it's probably Team Boris that actually had most of the uh, people in the European Parliament. Oh, really? Uh-huh. I didn't realise that. So the, the guys that wanted to leave had the numbers in the actual European Parliament? There's quite a few of them in there. Well, oh, there you go. It's like you're an expat Brit or something. Oh, extremely expat Brit. Yes, I know. Yeah, exciting times. Um, it, you know, it, it feels like, as REM said, it's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Well, you do. I think there's a fair few people that don't. Yeah. You had that and I had um, the, that uh, Should I Stay or Should I Go song. I don't think they ever arrived at a satisfactory conclusion either. No. Uh, should I show That's um, Clash? The Clash, that's but, it. Yeah. For some reason, my brain kept saying the knack. And I'm going to... <laughs> No, you stupid lump of grey mouldering jelly. That is not the knack. Though having just spent four hours of band practice day and we don't do my Sharona, but I have to say it is one hell of a rock song. It is. It's it, – I've – no, I'm not going to say that because that dates me. Um, but uh, when that song was a success, they did a world tour faster than, than the speed of light, I reckon. They knew it was a, a one hit. They were going to yeah. be – by crikey, they made the most of it. Oh, God, yeah. I, I saw him perform at Doug, uh, I've forgotten his last name, the guy from the Knack, perform it at the Countdown Spectacular about six or seven years ago. Um, only a few years before he passed away. He passed away a couple of years back. I can't keep track of who's dying. There's just far too many people dying. It's really getting on my nerves. Yeah, no, it's, um, he died of, it wasn't uh, like it was cancer or something like that. And, um, yeah, a couple of years back. And see, I... Have you noticed now in society, just I automatically need to Google... Doug, Doug Figer is his name, and he died in... Actually, God, more than a couple of years ago, 2010, he died. Yeah. So... Well, isn't that... That's what we all do now, isn't it? Google? If it was yeah. devices, we wouldn't know anything. It's a bit like that episode of Stargate SG-1, which I'm not going to go into, but if you've ever watched the show, you know the one. I mean... Um, and he had cancer. 57 he was when he died. Of the what, though? Cancer tells you nothing. It's a bit like saying, what's the weather like? Uh, lung cancer. Oh, no, brain. Brain, brain cancer. Brain tumours and then, uh, se- oh. I'm assuming, secondary lung cancer. Poor bugger. Oh, he was a smoker. Not that that necessarily means you're going to get lung cancer. No, but it increased. But, yeah, secondary one in particular, but still could have contributed. Don't oh. smoke. Whatever you do, don't smoke. Unless you really want to. That's an old ad too. That's nearly as old as the knack, that don't smoking ad with Yul Brynner. Yul I Don't you remember that one? No. Yeah, he he did a he did an ad, uh, and I think it was when he he'd been diagnosed with whatever cancer it was, and it was just if I could say one thing, it's don't smoke, please don't smoke or something along those lines. Be on YouTube. Huh. There you go. Uh- wasn't aware that had happened. Yeah, that was, I think, early 80s, if I was going to guess. And see, I'm avoiding Googling it. I so want to, though. Smoking made all his hair fall out, too, I suppose. <laughs> That's right. 
Uh, well, it's good to be here. Yes, that was a very long introduction. It was, but that's all right. <laughs> yes, so I suppose we've already brushed across it. So shall we? Uh, shall we have a? I know. Yes, don't turn off yet, everybody. Uh, we're not going to discuss the ins and outs of Britain's um, probable. I'm saying probable because nothing's actually started moving forward on it yet. So uh, let's just assume that maybe, maybe it's not going to happen. Who knows? But uh, yeah, we're not going to offer any in-depth commentary because we don't live there, so we really don't know much about it at all. Well, I went there once in, or twice in 1997-1998. Surely that gives me some credibility. Well, I've been there a couple of times. Um, obviously, uh, being born there, that's clearly one of them. But uh, yeah, I've only gone back every now and then, and apart from the what happens in most instances where you emigrate or leave your hometown when you're very young, you go back and it's like walking around a Lilliputian village because everything seems so much smaller. Yeah. Things that seemed quite a long way apart are suddenly one block over. Gotcha. So, yeah, can't really, can't really offer too much insight on that, but uh, I think there's plenty to talk about with regard to the, just the general reaction and the noise of it. Do you count as a, and this, um, we can cut this out, no one will realise if it's too personal a question, but are you still a British citizen? I, I am a passport holder, although yes. I suspect that that's going to change. Oh, yeah, good point. Well, the current passport is going to change. I'll, I'll end up getting a dark blue one again, probably, instead yeah. of the current maroon. Maroon? Maroon. Good God, Southland did sink in. That's terrible. <laughs> maroon. Maroon. There's a double O in I there. I always say maroon, though. That's what I tend to say as well. I didn't realise that had happened. It's because it's not a word you tend to drop into everyday conversation. No. And I think because in the state of origin, they talk about the blues and the maroons. No, no, the blues and the morons. Isn't that yeah, what? That too. <laughs> now, now, what about our thousands of Queensland listeners? Anna, our number one listener at the moment. She's from Queensland. Oh, I, th- I think it's all, all a bit of fun having a bit of a poke. It's a bit like um, Hawthorne. Um, the Hawthorne, the, uh, one of the AFL teams here in Victoria. Uh, their colours are yellow and brown. Yeah. So there are those, and I'm not saying I'm one of them, might possibly refer to, to them as the P and Poos. Oh, see, I like that. And they've had that colours well, forever, haven't they? Since had those colours for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, you're a British citizen. I'd argue you do have credibility. You're right. I don't... but. I don't think we, we know the UK inside out, but I think from, as outsiders, and we are going to be impacted by this, we could certainly, you know, thrash out our usual uninformed diatribes. Oh, yeah, but exactly. I mean, everyone's going to be impacted by this to one degree or another in the short term, medium term or long term. Really, you can't do too much worrying about it at this point because nothing's actually happening. Quite honestly, the, the fallout is impacting... The, uh, the the British or the English, at least, um, political elite. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn, the current leader of the Labour Party, is uh, looking on very very shaky ground because he was a Eurosceptic to start with. So he wasn't. Although Labour's policy, I think, was or the the general tone of the party was to stay or remain as it's been mm. um, put. Um, he wasn't terribly. He uh, wasn't exactly publicly committed to it didn't really make a terribly good showing of uh, of flying the the flag for the cause 
So, yeah, um, <laughs> it will be. It's going to be interesting just watching how all of that kind of falls apart because, of course, it wasn't split across party lines either. No, and it's, it's like the gay marriage vote. If it, there was one in Australia, it's exactly the same thing. Uh, it is, although um, two two women being able to get married to each other is unlikely to cause a twelve percent drop in the Nikkei. No, that's right. And so let's talk about that short term, if you don't. I wouldn't mind. Um, so you're right. No one knows exactly what's going to happen in the next few months. I noticed, and I, I love the British Parliament website. Someone tweeted a link. It might have actually been you, Simon. But anyway, I saw it somewhere. There was a link that there's already a petition to have a second uh, referendum. And the British Parliament website has automatic thresholds. So if you can get a petition up, uh, for example, over 100,000 um, votes, it automatically has to be debated in Parliament. And when I checked it on Saturday, it was already over half a million. So it'll have to be debated. Um, oh, that's a hell of an improvement on the Australian Parliament where you can send pr- petitions till you go blue in the face, but not a lot happens with them. Yeah, mind you, Australia's had more referenda than Britain has. Britain. Yes, true. Remarkably few of them. Although in this case, as uh, Hugh, not Hugh Jackman, Hugh Laurie um, tweeted, uh, best out of three, which I yeah. thought was probably could well be what ends up happening because uh, although I'm sure there were some people who voted to leave who were um, very committed to the idea and to the, the damage that they feel the European Union has done to Britain over over the years. Um, and I've got a clip to play in a, addressing a counterpoint to that idea. Um, it's I, I think there's probably a number of people who probably voted leave who are now having second thoughts. A lot of them. I've, I'm fairly sh- uh, that's I've got no ap- no evidence for that, but that is my suspicion that because I certainly didn't think it would happen. I I didn't even think it would be this this close. I, I thought everyone would be talking the talk, and in the end, everyone would choose to remain a bit like the uh, the, the Scottish referendum for uh, independence. Yeah. Uh, although I'm pretty sure that was is going to have a different result if they <laughs> if they do that again. Well, and they're planning on it for. I, I don't know anything's been formally announced, but I, I, there's been lots of overtures made that well, hey, we're going to revisit this because we're happy to stay with Europe. Yeah, and uh, Northern Ireland would also be looking to do something like that it might be the thing that finally pulls the uh pulls uh, northern ireland and ireland together yeah because uh, unification has it, it hasn't happened i mean there's a lot of benefits northern ireland gets from being part of the uk in much the same way that there's a lot of benefits scotland gets um but again it's it's a give and take and in this case Northern Ireland might find that there's suddenly a lot less give, and uh, being being part of the United Ireland might might suddenly becoming a lot more palatable. But at least Northern Ireland sort of has a long history of uh, tackling these things very peacefully and non-violently. So I can't can only see that continuing. Too soon. Sorry. So too soon. <laughs> really. And uh, I wasn't I wasn't taking sides. No, no, no. I know. I know you weren't. No, uh, Sinn Féin's already um, making noise about it, but then that's their job. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I believe from what you told me, uh, this clip I remember from Yes Minister has been um, bouncing around. So just in case, you ha- it's only short, it's um, only about 42 seconds, but 
this was the state of play kind of secretly behind the scenes if you believe good comedy is based on truth. Yeah. And in the case of Yes Minister, there's a lot of Westminster insiders consulted on this show. So let's just play it, have a little listen, and think if there's any kind of foreshadowing here at all. Britain has had the same foreign policy objective for at least the last 500 years to create a disunited Europe. In that cause, we have fought with the Dutch against the Spanish, with the Germans against the French, with the French and Italians against the Germans, and with the French against the Germans and Italians. Divide and rule, you see. Why should we change now, when it's worked so well? (laughs) Ancient history, surely. Yes, and current policy. We had to break the whole thing up, so we had to get inside. We tried to break it up from the outside, but that wouldn't work. Now that we're inside, we can make a complete pig's breakfast of the whole thing. (laughs) Set the Germans against the French, the French against the Italians, the Italians against the Dutch. The Foreign Office is terribly pleased. It's just like old times. Surely we're all committed to the European ideal. Really, Minister? (laughs) If not, why are we pressing for an increase in the membership? Well, for the same reason. It's just like the United Nations, in fact. The more members it has, the more arguments it can stir up, the more futile and impotent it becomes. Appalling cynicism. Yes. We call it diplomacy, Minister. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just on the note of um, expansion, where um, Sir Humphrey there was talking about um, causing more arguments, Uh, remember it was Britain was one of the uh, countries that was pushing... We met a pair of young movie makers who are filming their own version of Raiders. Sorry, David, you're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> no, this is fun. Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. Oh, I'm going to watch that later. Ra- random YouTube goodness. It's good. Uh, no, th- that comes courtesy of Vimeo. Oh, nice. Uh, our friends at Vimeo who don't know we exist. So Vimeo are like the European version of YouTube. Yes, yes. No, <laughs> not, even, not even slightly. YouTube's the Eurovision, European version of YouTube. Uh, so, yeah, Britain was one of the countries that really pushed for the uh, membership of a lot of the Central European countries mm. and has been quite... Uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of the things in there consisted that in that quote or that, uh, that, that uh, piece were quite consistent with some of the things Britain's done. Now... When you think that the Brexit occurred over, um, uh, not exclusively, but there was a very strong shift to the younger members of society wanting to stay and uh, the older members wanting to go. And bearing in mind, you can slice those the, the statistics in a number of different ways, including locality and so on. Um, but it's um, London's always been a foreign country. That, that was certainly the case where... When I lived there, uh, it was always anything anything north of the Thames. I was, I was told when I was little was full of foreigners. <laughs> uh, the, the English uh, have always been fairly fairly parochial, fairly tribal. But I, I'm I've, sorry, I've deviated from where I was going with this, but I think it's probably worth mentioning. And bearing in mind, this isn't that long ago, so yes, you can. Everyone in all the people in London who uh, are all terribly shocked by all of this, uh, they probably should get out to the countryside a little bit more, quite yeah. frankly. Um, because when you think about London, predominantly Britain's become a service 
economy rather than a production economy or yes. one. So, yeah, it's it's going to impact London considerably. I think there's going to be a lot of wine bars probably going to have to close down because of, there's a lot of banks are going to be reconsidering whether they're going to stay in the city or whether they're going to shift to um, Paris or Frankfurt. Hamburg or yeah. Yeah, Frankfurt. Sorry, I mean yeah. So yes, there, I mean there, there's definitely going to be impacts. Whether the industries that have been lost are certainly not going to appear anywhere. And anyway, the point I was going to make was that uh, historically, a uh, Yorkshireman and uh, a, um, a Lancastrian uh, don't tend to regard each other with a lot of trust. So going back an awful long way, we've had this th- – there's always been uh, splits and rivalries and you've only got to look at the just the sheer quantity of accents they've got over there. You don't have to move <laughs> – more than a few steps to the left and someone's got a different accent. Now, granted, that's all changed um, quite a lot. And especially for any of our younger listeners, if we have any, uh, that's all going to seem like ancient history, but it's really not. Most of what the, uh, the under-30s know of in the UK as normal hasn't really been around that long. Now, it was, uh, I think... What was it? it was fifty-two percent? I think voted to leave. Yeah. So the original vote to join the European Economic Community, the EEC, it was seventy-three, wasn't it? Seventy-three, and it was, I think, like a sixty-six percent to go in. But what you've got to remember there is, uh, it was an economic community. It wasn't a European Union, and this is one of the things where I think a lot of people have been reacting. Badly. Now, I think a lot of misinformation has occurred on both sides of the campaigns from what I could tell. Yeah. Uh, and this will kind of carry on into our little chat we're going to have about the Australian election as well because politics is politics. Or perhaps I should think more along the fallout line and go politics, politics never changes. And it doesn't. It's, this, it's the same line of crap, oversimplified rubbish that we get spoon-fed by people that think we're idiots. And we're not idiots. We're just not paying attention. Yeah. And except during a, a referendum like that where everyone is suddenly paying attention and then you get these ridiculous, conflated, exaggerated arguments from both sides trying to make the, uh, the, the, uh, the other viewpoint look insane. But yep. Europe, Europe has expanded its grasp and it, as I'm sure everyone knows, it's become a, a bureaucratic nightmare. Now, there's benefits to being in Europe. And there's disadvantages to being in Europe. Um, just the just getting that number of countries to agree on things is pretty difficult. And it can be argued that by getting out, Britain is going to be able to renegotiate trade agreements that work best for it, rather than the uh, the, the boiled down majority. Yeah. The, have to get for the EU. But the, what people don't seem to appreciate is if you want to trade with Europe, which they're going to want to because then kind of already got the relationship there anyway and it's closest, is they're going to have to, they're going to, have to meet the uh, European regulations anyway. But now they don't have any say in it because they're not a member. That's right. So what's your thoughts? Um, so three thoughts, and, and apologies just for those last 30 seconds. I think it was my end. There might have been a slight dropout in Simon's voice, not not a huge amount. 
Um, three thoughts on a totally superficial level. Will the Brexit mean it's harder for English soccer hooligans to get across to the mainland? Number two, um, I'm guessing some of our non-English, non-Australian, younger listeners may not have ever come across the TV show Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. And if you haven't, can't recommend highly enough you checking those out. And I'm guessing, I haven't actually looked, I'm guessing some of them would be on YouTube or at least snippets of them. Um, Or Vimeo, as you just did, Simon. Um, And the third thing on you saying about the, the British being parochial, there was a great... Someone quoted from a newspaper, or had, it might have even been a clipping, I think it was the late 1800s, where there was an enormous fog across the English Channel and the headline in the British newspaper was uh, Super Fog, Europe Isolated. Yes, I was trying to explain this to a workmate of mine and uh, she just she didn't quite get it, but to uh, for a lot of Britons, that's still very much the, the attitude. Yeah. There's a, there's a deep... And I, you can't explain it because it's not rational, but there's there's a deep, uh, for many of us, desire to just sort of give the finger to the Europeans. I mean, that's the that's the whole point of the gay uh, the, of the um, on in Eurovision, for instance, the, having the little drinking game, gay or European. <laughs> so there's, granted, this this isn't this is the Brexit result is clearly the. Uh, the the most anger fueled, confused, resentful, desperate um, claim, not claim, but cry. I think from a, a significant part of the population. And the thing is, in some ways, it doesn't matter which way it went, whether it was forty eight fifty two or fifty two forty eight. The fact is, what they really have to address, and what this whole thing's highlighted is just how many Britons are not feeling engaged with this process. And you can, you can be a juvenile twat like a lot of people on Twitter were, were doing um, because Twitter's an emotional sinkhole sometimes with this sort of thing, calling the people that voted to leave idiots. Mm. They're not idiots. If you've said they're idiots, then I'm sorry, my friend, you're part of the problem because you either haven't explained your argument properly or you have just been so blinded by the echo chamber that you clearly live in that you weren't aware that half the bloody country feels this way. So, yes, it's, it's shocking, it's, it's frightening, it's confusing. But really, this, this has just exposed what's really going on. Yeah. And that has got to get addressed. In some ways, the, uh, all of the processes to, to split away from Europe are almost incidental because there's far bigger problems going on, clearly, that simply haven't been looked at, especially if you knock off uh, the, the Northern Irish and the um, and Scottish vote. It's even worse. It's, That's right. It's, it's heading towards 60% of British people, of English people and, and Welsh people don't want to be a part of the whole thing. So, yeah, um, if, you're, if you're living in, in London or surrounding areas um, and, yeah, you, you've probably been doing quite well out of the whole thing, the, the simple truth is not everybody has been. And maybe you should be having a look at that after you sign the petition to get the referendum reheld because I think it probably does need to be held again. Quite yeah, frankly. I agree. And the other obvious one to, to ask about is how does it impact the rest of the world? I think the only real way it impacts the rest of the world, as in not the UK and Europe, 
is the the impact it has on confidence and whether it does lead to you know more recessionary movements a, a global recession the more pessimistic people are you know it's just the the straw that might break the camel's back with the the world economy who knows could quite wouldn't surprise me well yeah i'm i'm not actually sure why it so many countries have reacted this way because yes it's in some ways i suppose it's making europe more unstable but it's kind of unstable already even if they'd voted to stay in and imagine the money to be made in consultancy fees you know breaking britain away there's going to be some people making a fortune oh yeah and uh, doing a new logo for the ministry of trade because i don't think they actually have a ministry of trade effectively because everything's handled through brussels we need uh, to get onto that we do we do there might be a job there for you <laughs> oh god yeah i don't think you want me anywhere near trade um yeah look it's it's fascinating times and it, it's really easy to read too much into any event in history but i, I would have I, i'd argue this is one of the bigger events in the last few years since the global financial crisis it's one of the bigger you know chapters you know the the um, arab spring was definitely big since 2008 and this is one of those other ones it's like well you don't i never thought i'd see this happen no, well no I, i didn't i think a lot of people didn't but then i don't live in the country so i i don't feel like i was really supposed to so haha i'm exempt from the criticism i made before but it it's got a, they need to hold another referendum yeah they need to hold another one because 50 i, I know first past the post in some cases 50% over 50% is a pass but it's not much of a pass and you can't do much. it's you need you need 60 they should have set a threshold 60% 75% Well, it should have been more like the Australian referendum rules, which I'm madly trying to Google as we go. Um, but it should be something like, because it's a United Kingdom, it, it should have been uh, a majority in each country, in this case, in the United Kingdom, in each country required before it got up. Because in yeah. Australia, it's something like, and I don't think it's just 50%. I'm That's thinking... It's, it's more than that, isn't it? It'll be passed by all the states, yeah. yeah all, all the states, and but is it just a fifty percent majority? That's well, I'm sure it's more than that. Yeah. Anyway, I won't I won't bog us down, but I, I thought it was too. So. Because um, in a, in a lot of I know in this case it's there's no margin of error because it's not a poll, but I mean you, the the amount they won by or the amount the other guys lost by uh, would be a margin of error in most polls. It's a ridiculously thin margin. And doing something based on that, I I think that probably would be the craziest thing of all. That's, apparently, it's in Australia double majority, so you need the majority of those voting nationwide as well as the majority of states. And where the referendum involves a state that will be affected by it, then the majority of voters in that state must also agree to the change. Yeah, well, that, that sounds a little bit more balanced. Yeah, so in this case, in those rules, this wouldn't have got up because Scotland um, and Northern Ireland, didn't they, they um, got the majority against? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they did. So, yeah, I mean, now let's be. Let me be clear though. I'm not saying I'm for or against Britain leaving the European Union. That's not my call, and I'm not offering an opinion on that. The only opinion I'm offering in this regard is that. 52% majority is almost no majority at all and 
it makes no sense to do something so momentous and potentially so damaging. We call it a hung referendum here at so, Hey People. That's it. That's the phrase. We, that's can we call it that? Yeah, that's what episode fifteen, the hung referendum. No, no, no. The, this referendum's <laughs> well hung. It's well hung. The well hung referendum. Yeah, that's do. even better. Yeah, I like it. There we go. That's history, folks. We've just made up the name of the podcast. <laughs> uh, and speaking of things well hung in politics, says me slipping into co-host mode when I have no right to. No, I was just about to make the segue myself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was going to use, and speaking of, um, of shit being made up on the spot, <laughs> the Australian elections. Yes, one week to go. So after, well, we've had five weeks already and this is the, the we're coming into the sixth week. No, it's more than that. It was, it was uh, 50-something days. Well, so this, we must have had six weeks and we're into the seventh week. Anyway, whatever it is, it's been way too long. It, it has. I'm pleased to say, though, that since I don't watch commercial TV and uh, I don't listen to commercial radio... I've heard none of the commercials. I've heard very few because I live in extremely safe seats, so we don't get the the ads land that much anyway. But um, and I, I mean, I'm an absolute politics junkie. One of the highlights of any year is an election year. If I get to stay up till midnight watching the results come in, that's how sad I am. But even I'm a bit. Yeah, this has gone on too long. So who you who um, who's been most compelling? Do you think? I'm not asking who you're voting for, but uh, just who do you th- who do you think's made the most compelling case for why they should sit like uh, a, a group of fat maggots in Parliament? I think Nick Xenophon. I had a feeling you might say that. <laughs> so um, yeah, neither of the major parties have particularly been compelling at all, and I think uh, there's a hell of a lot of people out there that would agree. Um, and I don't think the Greens have particularly done that well in this campaign. Um, and then you've got the true nutbags like, you know, Pauline Hanson and Jackie Lambie. Although Jackie Lambie, if, if we're going to do predictions, I'll make a couple of predictions. Jackie Lambie will, will easily be re-elected to the Senate and might even get someone else up if she's lucky. Um, I predict Hanson might get in or Darren Hinch. I think Darren Hinch getting in would be actually a, a bloody funny thing. So for those outside of Australia, Darren Hinch is an opinionated um, current affairs host or radio. But he's not hes not loony right wing, though. He's more... Would I be right in saying this? I'd, I'd say he's more of... He's no lefty, but he's more centre to centre right in his approach. Besides, the, you know, kill all pedophiles and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's more, he's not left cheek or right cheek, he's more asshole. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, yeah, my prediction is Lambie or Jackie Lambie will get up in Tasmania again, plus one. Um, I, I think the Greens will do about what they normally do. The Greens love talking about how they're on the rise and rise. The reality is when the Australian Democrats left the scene, all they did was pick up most of their vote and the the primary vote they're getting of about, uh, sorry, in the Senate of about 12% is what the Democrats and Greens used to get combined. So I always laugh at the fact that they they think that they've done so well. All they've really done is absorbed uh, a progressive vote that was split between two parties previously. Um, Yeah. 
So, and I think Xenophon, for, again, for those not in Australia, Nick Xenophon's a long-standing um, independent senator. He, he was originally in the South Australian Party, uh, South Australian Parliament, on a platform of getting rid of poker machines out of pubs and clubs. Uh, and then made a very successful transition to the federal parliament and he's now set up the Nick Xenophon party, uh, or it's Nick Xenophon team, I think it is, NXT, um, and he's running candidates, Senate candidates in every state and a, and a few lower house candidates around the country as well. And I think he's going to blitz it in South Australia to some extent and I think he'll pick up, he, if he's lucky, the odd Senate seat in other states as well. I think you will too. NXT is an, an excellent abbreviation. Yeah, yeah. Next. Next, exactly. Um, and, and he's very much, and I don't mean this in a critical way, he's very much leveraging off the Australian Democrats too as far as the whole, the old keep the bastards on it slogan. He's based out of South Australia, which was the Australian Democrats' um, stronghold when they were around. Um, and for full disclosure, the reason I know this is I used to be a member of the, the Australian Democrats... Uh, and used to do a, uh, was involved in the organisation a bit. So um, that was always their stronghold. He's qu- quite understandably picked up a lot of those voters there where the Greens haven't. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think now is the time for independence. And I suppose in some ways this is kind of uh, interesting because there's similar levels of dissatisfaction here with the, uh, the established political elite. Yeah. Uh, and in the same way you see, you've seen a bit of that sort of... Uh, business going on in the UK and uh, definitely seeing that sort of actually seeing it going on everywhere I mean that's that's what explains Trump not not the fact that he's Trump because I don't I don't think that's he just happened to be the candidate who was there at the time yeah as much as anything else I'm not I'm not convinced that it's any that and the fact that he he just says what he thinks I think that appeals to a lot of people it appeals to me I think if Sarah Palin had run in this election rather than the one that she did she might have actually got up Possibly. Sarah's a different kind of candidate. Yeah, but I reckon the Republican Party would have, would definitely have got behind her more than they did Trump. And then her, her against Hillary, I reckon she might have just about bloody won. I mean, Trump still could. Mm, she she might have done. Um, but again, obviously she's, she has her supporters. But when you get right down to it, uh, they were just trying to balance the McCain ticket yeah. in much the, to be viable against um, against the Obama-Biden one mm. because yeah. you had you had youth and uh, just, I don't mean this in a patronising way but this is clearly how it was done um, which is why people like Carly Fiorina keep popping up. Um, so it was the Democrats were either going to come up with the first female candidate or the first black candidate, mm. African-American, whatever. So they, they had to bring someone in who was either female or um, an obvious, uh, someone with an, an ethnic background of some sort uh, in order to, to balance that out on the Republican side. That's why you saw the, uh, the candidates this year uh, going through and, and pointing out, you know, stop the immigrants, but my parents were immigrants kind of thing that was going on of them it's all very confusing i don't know but yeah the australian situation i think you're right there's that disillusionment still i think it is going to be reflecting the polls if i was going to guess the informal vote will be higher than the usual i think it's between two and a half and four percent and average informal i reckon it'll be up close to five or six percent 
Um, and a lot of, yeah, unfortunately, people like Hanson and that may get a Guernsey in Queensland. Oh, this is, if she doesn't get one this time, then she's not going to get one again at all. Yeah. But it would help if we actually had some, a bit of charisma. And that's the thing is Nick Xenophon at least has, has got a bit of charisma. I mean, Barnaby Joyce has got a bit of charisma as well, but he's also <laughs> yeah. uh, got other characteristics that, um, that turn people off. Well, we like Barnaby, as you know. That's a long-standing platform of this podcast. Is it worth us? Could we form a We Hate People political party? That we, could have legs. Well, there's a pirate um, party that uh, was formed basically from the Pirate Bay that's yeah. now a... a a worldwide organisation, so... But, I mean, it's something cool about a, a party that hates people, that hates the people they're meant to serve. Well, that's the trouble. The existing parties do that. Oh, true. They just they don't just come clean about it. Yeah. But would it kill them to find someone who can actually orate? That would be nice, yeah, because Turnbull's no orator and um, Shorten's improved out of sight to six months ago, but I still wouldn't put him up there too highly. Shorten still sounds like droopy dog. Yeah. And I have, I've, I think most of us got very quick, very quickly of Turnbull's faux Churchillian wank. Yes. I mean, yeah. Um, do you, some punctuation, please. Uh, that's, that shouldn't have been a sentence. That's a paragraph or two. Just yeah. shut up. You're exactly. not a communicator. You're just a talker. So, uh, can we do some predictions? Do you, want, do you want to actually put some numbers on the board? Ooh. So, and I can give you the overall numbers, so, so I'm, I'm not wanting to put you on the spot. Um, so in amongst the family, we extended family, we've had a bit of a, a guesstimate at the start of the election campaign. Mm. So for those in Australia, you, you may or may not know that in the lower house there are exactly now 150 seats. So to form government, that means that you have to have 76 majority to... Have I done that right? Yes. So you need 76 MPs. Oh, they, it's probably slightly different because you've got a speaker. Yeah, I'm, I probably shouldn't pretend I know more than I do. But anyway, you need those mid-70s sort of things. So I've predicted the current government, which is the Liberal National Party, might still end up with 79 seats. I'll end up with a three or four-seat majority. That's my prediction. Mm. What say you, Simon? I'm not sure... I think one one of these elections we're going to end up where both parties see a drop in the number of seats they hold because they, they're getting picked up by more independents. I don't know if this is that year. Yeah, I mean, there's a fair... Well, I'm trying to think in the last parliament, there, there's still quite a few independents. So there was, if you count Clive Palmer, so you've got Clive Palmer, Bob Catter, um, you had Adam Bant as the Green. Who else was there? Oh, the, uh, there, I think there was uh, a West Australian independent. Anyway, let's say there were four or five. Uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't think there'll be a lot more than that this time. Mm. I think with the way things are and just with historical... The way things go historically, you generally hold with an incumbent government when things are looking a bit rocky. Yeah. And I think possibly the, the Brexit situation might actually end up working in Liberals' favour. So I would say they'll get back in with a decreased, decreased majority. Um, are they going to need the independence? Will it be hung? I'm going to go with that. I think we might end up with a hung parliament. Yeah, it's a possibility. 
I, I think it'll be polarised enough that we'll avoid it, but it's definitely a possibility. And, and then you've got the fascinating scenario of both Labor and Liberal you know, tripping over themselves to say there's no way we'll go into coalition with the Greens. And, and you, the Liberal National Party will, would never go into coalition with the Greens, so it's just whether Labor will backflip and, and do that if they had the opportunity to form government. When you look at what Turnbull did in order to get power... Well, I'd think he'd be willing to talk to the Greens. Mm-hmm. Nah, he'd be assa- he'd be, when I, I don't mean literally, but figure, figuratively, he'd be assassinated before he could get halfway through the negotiations. <laughs> They'd remove him. There's no way. Well, we'll see. I mean, there's lots of back doors. Did you see the? the I didn't actually see it, but I saw the new snippets of it. Did the the Liberals had their campaign launch today? Oh. And the four, former Prime Ministers Howard and Abbott were there. And they, and I don't know, I, they couldn't avoid it, I suppose. Malcolm Turnbull did the big, you know, triumphant walk into the auditorium and had to run the gauntlet and first, you know, hug and shake, you know, shake John Howard's hand. There was Tony Abbott and Margie Abbott and he had to shake the hand and I think they were both about as excited as each other to, to be doing it. And then Tony Abbott had to sit there for an hour while Malcolm Turnbull did the job that he would have done. Don't you love politics? Uh, when was it? When is it? When feeding the devil use a very long spoon? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, look, that's that's just the way of these things, though, isn't it? You, yeah. Awkward. You, awkward, but there's many situations like that. You, you usually go out because someone's knifed you. Well, that's right. At least you do in in uh, the Westminster system. Now. And I've just discovered there were only three lower house independents. So Adam Bant, when I say independents, non-Labor liberals. So, yeah, one Greens, one um, Catter and one Palmer. Oh, no, and two independents. So they're five all up. There you go. Thank you, Google. Yes. Google's how we stop learning things. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh... Still, at least I won't have to learn a foreign language. No, exactly. Talking to my phone, and it can tell them what I want. I like it. So, you reckon that's enough politics for one podcast? Well, I'm sort of drifting off now. So, if only there was sort of a TV show that was totally non-politics or power-related, what could we talk about? Oh, House of Cards. Yes. (laughs) So, have you been enjoying season? Yeah, no, Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Have I been enjoying it? Yes, I think I can't remember we talked about it on this or Flashpoint, but I think we've we've definitely mentioned this season has been a corker. It's got some real momentum behind it, and uh, at time of recording, we're about I don't know fourteen fifteen hours off the season finale uh, screening. So, but the Battle of the Bastards was the second last one, and for those of you, so spoilers from here on in for the next few minutes, if you you're not up to date with Game of Thrones. And it's, um, it's topic, so you won't be missing anything if you turn off now, but we'll miss you. Yeah, that's right. This is the last topic. Um, yeah, what a corker of an episode that was. So I, to me, the, the pinnacle to date was the when the wildlings tried to take on the wall. That was the most epic one, Yeah, I would argue, prior to this episode. And I, I'd actually put them at nearly level pegging from the pure scale of the wildlings in the wall, it was pretty impressive, as was when the White Walkers got to the sea. That that one was pretty bloody epic as well. But I think for the longevity and the brutality of 
battle, this Battle of the Bastards one is by far and away the best. Um, I think it was probably the most brutal. It's like the, it was the Saving Private Ryan moment of Game of Thrones, that first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. This was, I think, 21 minutes the battle, and it was nearly as impressive. Yeah, it, it really did make the utter pointlessness of the whole thing just having being loyal to a noble house yeah basically they should have just put the half a dozen people into a field and let let the lords and ladies fight it out amongst themselves that's right and Jon Snow offered that that um yeah I mean can you imagine that nowadays I can't imagine any bunch of people lining up behind so the equivalent in Melbourne that you know a whole bunch of people from the western suburbs agreeing to get paid diddly squat to line up behind the mayor of Melbourne to kill the mayor of Sydney. I reckon you probably get some takers. <laughs> well, it depends on what you're offering, I suppose. Or if, yeah, if they're a bit bored, yeah, we'll go up the Hume Highway and kill some Sydneyites. Yeah, you're probably right. Well, but that's the thing, though. They were bondsmen. Yeah. Um, so they didn't really have any say in the matter they were they were called up by their lord and uh, or if the lord wasn't there the the, the castellan running the the uh, the um, local stronghold and yeah if they didn't go they'd probably just get their guts cut out before they went yeah at least they had a chance of surviving in the war although not this battle of the bastards one no i, I mean uh, there was there's was one bit where and this isn't a story point, this is just something that happened. Uh, Jon Snow turned around and killed one guy. That uh, There's two guys fighting behind him. Turned around, killed one guy, then killed the other guy. Yeah. Because there's no way of knowing which was which. Oh, you see, I hadn't picked that either. Yeah. But that was that was the case. I mean, they were all covered in mud and shit. Yeah, and you wouldn't have hope. Else. There's no way of identifying them because they're just a... Just a bunch of guys, yeah, yeah, dressed alike. So it, I have no idea how they could pick one from the other. No, that's a really good point. I hadn't picked up on that, but yeah. And the larger the army, the more confused it would be because you wouldn't know who's from a different unit. That's right. So yeah, total total bedlam, and brutal and dirty, and there's nothing glamorous about it at all. And boy, did they portray that beautifully. Now, what I want to know is, in the obviously when Jon Snow's half-brother is released to run across the field to him and, and um, God, evil Sorry. bastard. What's the evil bastard's name? Ramsey. Ramsey. Ramsey, you know, purposely misses the first couple of arrows. You never see, do you reckon he actually fired the arrow that actually killed him or he had a specialist archer on hand and went, I'm going to fire two duds and when he gets to a certain distance, knock him off? Um, doesn't matter, but I just it seemed to me that he's. I don't think he would have been that good a shot. I th- well, I, I get the impression that he probably was that good a shot. Yeah, okay. Um, even though I'm not sure that a heavy bolt like that would have sufficient range to actually do the job, considering how far the boy had managed to run. Incidentally, uh, if you're ever in that situation, yeah, zigzag exactly. <laughs> That's the only thing that annoys me with this stuff like that. It's like, all you got to do is zigzag. It's not rocket science. Nope. <laughs> it's not science science. No, randomly zigzag. Like, don't, don't do it per- you know, perfectly because, yes, they, in theory, they could still get you, but just run around in a circle here and there. It doesn't matter. Or, or just hide behind one of the big burning 
Bees, they had sticking out of the ground. That's those were they were tree, burning tree trunks. You could easily get behind one of those. Damn logic. Oh, mind you, he was a young fella. Um, hadn't been out of the dungeon for uh, I don't know a week, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Who knows? I'm not quite sure how long he was locked up for. Yeah. So panic. You might not be thinking, especially if you've had spent any time with Ramsey at all. Panic would probably set in fairly quickly, I would think. True, particularly if you're still in, in, um, in ownership of your testicles. You go, when are they going to disappear? Yeah. <sighs> so it'd be a great show. And, I mean, on the, and the thing is there were two major battles and, and I like how they contrasted the up close and personal, that battle versus in Marine, the, the you know, very impersonal siege on, on marine and you, you just see a couple of people get killed in pretty funny and spectacular way oh, it's, and plus the guys on the ship from the oh, yes that's ship. what I was thinking of yeah yeah but I was thinking of the three masters and I just love that bit of you know which one of you wants to be killed and, and they killed the two that pushed the poor bastard out I thought that was gold that's like being back in school yeah where you know like yeah he did it okay well it must have been you then Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't sure about that that whole sequence. But it was a little bit too um, neat. Oh, it wasn't the killing of... Actually, just on a, on a side note, uh, have you... Has anyone ever bothered to count how many castrated men there are on this show? Oh, I'm going to Google right now, though. I bet you someone has. I bet someone has, too, because there's a lot of them. Um, yeah. Um, and, and as someone else made the point, as much as George R.R. R. R. Martin can get um, accused of misogyny at times, you've now got Daenerys running the show there, you've got um, Sansa running the show in the north, and you've got, um, what's the name, running King's Landing. Yeah, Thingamabob. Oh, and the, yeah, Thingamabob, whatever her name is. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not seeing it. It's, just, it's all about Varys. Oh, uh, right. Well, yeah, he will, he's definitely one. Yeah. I don't know how many unsolid there are. Oh, that's true. There's a lot of them. A lot of them. There's someone, MTV have an article, could Grey Worm and Miss Sunday actually have sex? Uh, that could be interesting. We asked the experts, the MTV, because uniques need love too. Uniques? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, having seen someone that's had their... Uh, they still have the testicles. I've seen someone without a penis. This is what the fun part of being a nurse. But yeah. Okay. Everyone who's listening to this who just involuntarily crossed their legs. <laughs> and stop. Um, yeah. Yeah, the removal of the testicles to produce a unit. Yeah, this, no, this is surprising. Results in extremely low testosterone levels, which in turn usually eliminates all sexual desire. Yeah, or a federal election. That, <laughs> that too. kills <laughs> the urge as well. Oh, you're not wrong. Anyway, yeah, Game of Thrones, it rocks. I, I'm going to be sad when the finale hits tomorrow because then we're going to wait another whole year. And uh, my understanding is there's another two seasons in the show. Oh, I wonder... Did, hmm. I'm just wondering how much of this is going to end up meshing with the books because it does... The, well, we're past the books now. We are. We are well past the books. Yeah. But I can't help wondering if they're going to end up going back and revisiting some of the things that didn't get caught 
I could. Weren't featured in the books. Um, if they need to sort of tread water a little bit. Uh, otherwise, I'm not. I suppose you could still read the books, but it, it's all kind of getting spoiled. Or are they just going off in a completely different direction? Could be too. And I mean, and as far as stuff that they haven't covered previously, that, that's where it screams out from movie. As far as they might have a, not a prequel's not the right term, but you know what I mean, a side movie or whatever. Yeah, well, some of it they can't really do. Like, there's a, a whole Dornish um, story, and but that can't really be done because they, what are they called? The Sand Snakes? You know, the... the yeah, yeah. And, uh, her daughters. Uh, that's not what they did in the books. Not, In fact, I think it's the binary opposite of. So... Not sure how they'd wrap that up. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens, though. But the pacing of this season has been quite different to the others. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm not sure if I like it. Well, I suppose because we've got two seasons. And um, some people are predicting that one of the remaining seasons could be quite a lot shorter. It's in half a dozen episodes or something. Um, so let's say they've got 16 episodes to go. They've still got a shitload to do. Yeah, yeah I suppose so. I think one of the things that concerns me most about the this last season is the rate at which things have happened. Yeah. In some ways, the I never had a problem with the uh, previous season's episodes dragging. No. Uh, it was always a case of the credits coming up and going, that can't have been 42 that's minutes. That's right. So that's not the thing. And I can't help feeling that they built to things better, but that's... Not because of the books, because the books have, have got their own pacing problems. So leave that to one side. That was definitely the showrunners that, that had that working pretty sweetly, I think. I'm just not sure if this season's been quite as strong in some ways. Yeah, it, it's, it probably feels a bit more like, you know, guzzling down a Slurpee and wondering, well, feeling a bit ill afterwards and going, what was the substance in that? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, but that's enough of that. Now, was the, have we covered the... I think we've covered everything now. Yeah, we've covered everything. Um, I, I'm going to save for Flashpoint my Warcraft movie review. Or did I, I do that already? No, no, no. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll save that for Flashpoint. That, it turns out we had a lot more to say, or probably I had a lot more to say, if we're being honest. No, that's good. Than, uh, than I expected. I thought I couldn't ramble, the, do a ranty ramble. A rantal? Oh, it was a big, it was a big week. Very yeah. understandable. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty shocking. Not the Battle of the Bastards, actually. No, it might have been the Battle of the Bastards. Yeah, <laughs> it's all about David Cameron and Boris Johnson, I suppose. Yes. British politics. Whoever would have thought it'd be full of interesting characters. So many bad haircuts. Oh yeah. Quite amazing. Well, I think we'll call. This haircut finish. Yep, we're done. And what, what was the name of the episode again? The well, the well hung referendum. Hung referendum. Yeah, that was it. Something like that. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Well, thanks to everyone for listening and not deleting this, whatever it is, from your your subscriptions. As always, we're keen to hear your thoughts on the podcast, suggestions for topics, conspiracy theories. Uh, death threats can go just to David I, I don't really need <laughs> uh, just send them to contact at oceanicgamer.com you can follow us on Twitter David's handle is now at the oceanic gamer 
and I'm at RPG Beats RL. For earlier episodes, please visit www.creativeshed.com or subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, but we haven't been able to work out whether that's working. Yeah, yeah which countries and whatever, yeah. There's somewhere. Yes. But on that note, that's a show. Yay! Say goodbye, David. Bye. Miss you all. Talk soon. Yeah, chat soon, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs> what the hell? What